Hello and welcome to Voices and in Innovation from GigaOM. I am your host, Johnny Baltusberger, and I have with me today Stowe Boyd, uh, one of our analysts. And Stowe, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Sure. Well, it's good to be here. I'm glad we're getting a chance to do it. Um, <clears throat> I've been working with uh, GigaOM actually, so I looked it up recently, since 2012 with a couple of spells where I went off and did other things. Um, but uh, my beat has primarily been uh, the variety of things I call work technologies, meaning not back office stuff, not Kubernetes, but tools that people are using to get work done, basically. So that includes things like work management tools. Uh, and increasingly, it's pulled me into areas that are sort of slightly beyond the reach of just IT. So that entails things like uh, business technologies and uh, uh, human resources now or people operations. That's going to be the topic of somewhat we're going to talk about today. Um, but fundamentally, it's various technologies that people use to get things done in the business. So for example, right now I'm working on new reports, one on what I call work boards, which is digital whiteboards, which are now being used increasingly for, for asynchronous coordination of work, not just synchronous meeting software support. And um, I'm doing another project on intranets, which are both in a sense, uh, it's a kind of timeless, they've been around for a long time, but are now of increasing importance uh, as people are forced to working uh, remotely or distributed work has a uh, come to the forefront uh, during the coronavirus. So that's the kind of thing that amuse me and, and keep me uh, involved in the space. You know, I was going to mention that we've done so many talks, so many of these episodes and webinars recently about uh, how COVID-19 has changed the face of, you know, how a lot of companies are operating. And we talked about a lot of security, a lot of data storage things. And really, I think that uh, work technology and work communication is probably the, the biggest winner <laughs> out of everything. Because, uh, you know, for people like you and I who have, you know, worked essentially from home for many years, people who have worked uh, at a distance, these, these softwares and these uh, concepts have always been every day for us. But now they're very suddenly kind of taking the entire world by storm. And, uh, you know, if we're going to be frank and honest about it, it's very unlikely that everyone's going to go back to the office willingly, uh, even when it's safe to do so. Well, well, you know, some companies are looking very hard at the potential cost savings of, you know, not renting all that real estate and, um, are making adjustments strictly on a financial basis. So for example, Google um, announced not too long ago that they were gonna back out of 2 million square feet of office space they were planning to rent this year, additional to what they already have. And, um, and so that they're anticipating that some large proportion of people who were in the office before uh, won't be going back. And, and there's, and you know, they're a behemoth com company making lots of money. So maybe they don't really care about the money, but a lot of businesses 
you know, outside the tech world, you know, users of technology, you know, they're going to say, all right, we've, we've gone through this wholesale shift to remote work because we had to, and it's led to us doing all sorts of things that we said before we would never do because we have to have our culture the way, you know, we had, you know, handcrafted it over the last decade or whatever, whatever story they told themselves and whatever. And they had convinced themselves that perhaps they would never, ever allow wholesale, you know, general universal, uh, you know, remote work. Um, but now they've gone through this, you know, they've been pulled through the keyhole and they're on the other side of the threshold. And they say, oh, geez, all these things we thought wouldn't work, work fine. And oh, by the way, you know, look at all the benefits, you know, productivity's up, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, and all that money we could potentially save by not expanding, you know, next year when we add that other hundred people to the company or whatever. Um, so that's that's sort of a, a real wake-up call because, you know, people were claiming for years, you know, it wouldn't work, but now they're finding that it does. Then, of course, you're going to have the situation that um, a large group of people who are perhaps, you know, wondering whether, what, you know, working from home is going to be like now, like it, they don't want to commute, you know, they don't want the headaches, they don't want to have to, you know, pay for the dry cleaning whatever, all the expenses. Um, and they'd rather walk down to their kitchen and make a lunch than go out and stand in line, you know, buying a sandwich for, you know, $19 in downtown New York City or whatever. So I think there's a lot of arguments. And then, of course, if you step back far enough, you know, those of us who research this have been saying for years, oh, guess what? The people that are most productive and most engaged are the ones that work from home 60 to 80 percent of the time it turns out there's a magic number right and if you work remotely all the time you have a tendency to fall off a little on the level of engagement even though you may actually have very high productivity but it turns out that people in that magic zone who only go to the office you know once or twice uh every two weeks um they're the ones that are actually the best return on investment that companies have. And so, you know, people might have poo-pooed that before and said, well, that may be true for some other company, but it's not going to be the way it is here at Conglomerated Sprockets. But now, of course, if they're actually keeping track, if they're not actually looking at it analytically, um, they'll, they'll have to change their tune. And oh, by the way, right now they don't have a choice. So, <laughs> and of course, the technologies that make a lot of that hap happen are the kinds of things where we were talking about, you know, intranets and, you know, video conferencing, all the work from home uh, software that has, as you pointed out, has been going, you know, has been spiking, growing really fast, huge uptake, hundreds of percents of percentiles of growth in those businesses. So, um, uh, you know, it's now become a, you know, we've gone beyond the other side, right? People are talking about having Zoom fatigue because they now are substituting every face-to-face -face interaction that they might have had uh, with a Zoom call, like we're right. doing right now. Yeah. Now, at the very top, uh, 
we're, we're having this conversation because you recently wrote a report on people analytic platforms, uh, the key criteria of people analytic platforms and obviously the GigaOM radar for people analytic platforms. Um, one of the first things you say in this report is that uh, it's a new uh, technology within people operations, which is what we're now calling uh, what was historically known as HR, human resources. Right. Is that name change connected to a culture change, a change in philosophy and uh, how things are done, or is it simply a rebranding? Well, no, I think, I think it was motivated very clearly by a, a, a wave of new thinking um, arising originally in tech companies and companies like Netflix, for example, uh, Google and Netflix and a handful of others intentionally chose the name people operations instead of human resources because one observation, people are not resources. They're not something like a, 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 you know, a room full of pencils or a pile of money or a bunch of, you know, lumber in a lumber yard that you can take and do things with. Uh, people aren't fungible that way. They're not, you know, they're not something that is input to a, an assembly line at the end, come out robots or something. Um, so the first one was to say, people aren't assets, people are people. And um, we need to think about how we interact as a company with people, our employees, um, differently than we have in the past when uh, we used to have a thing called uh, human resources and we don't have that anymore because we want to have a different kind of interaction, a different kind of approach to thinking about the nature of this relationship. And the, na the, the, the ways it's different is it's presumably the, the intention is it's more democratic it's, it's based around <clears throat> a growing appreciation of the things that actually get people engaged with work, you know, finding purpose and meaning, uh, setting up new ways to give people feedback or for people as a whole to be able to talk about work and for individual employees to give feedback to the business. And the, the last and most important thing is it's based on some kind of data that people are collecting. And, and, and analyzing it to try to figure out how to make the workplace a better place to, to be and to have people be more engaged and productive. And so that's the fundamental set of changes. It's, you know, there's a mindset change, but the most important uh, technological aspect of it um, has to do with uh, gathering information from people, either explicitly by asking them and getting it that way or implicitly through the actions that they undertake that you can, uh, you know, observe. So for example, how much time do people spend uh, in meetings? Well, we can analyze that from people's, you know, calendars. Uh, how, many, how much time do people spend reading email? How much time do people spend uh, searching uh, for things on the intranet, for example? And all of those things can be analyzed, you know, uh, usually in aggregate to try to figure out what's going on. Um, 
And then there's another couple of trends that are related to that. And one is the increasing awareness that people's performance is not largely individual. Um, a lot of what goes on in performance is the performance of teams. So we're seeing a transition toward thinking about team performance, team feedback, and um, uh, how to make teams more effective as opposed to just you know, a manager giving feedback on a quarterly basis or an annual basis to an individual and helping them potentially go down a, a career path. Um, increasingly, it's much more uh, quickly paced. You know, it's a shorter time frame, and increasingly more and more real time kind of feedback. But also, it's also uh, also it's uh, more linked to team performance. So, you know. Uh, since that's the way we work, it makes more sense to, to operate around it in um, people operations as well. Earlier today in the meeting with um, our own people operations uh, person, Christina, uh, I mentioned that uh, I've, not, I've not, never had a cavity, but I also mentioned that I haven't been to the dentist in 20 years. And uh, I say all that to say, there's never a point where having less information or less knowledge is beneficial. Uh, so being able to find out, you know, it almost sounds Machiavellian. It sounds Orwellian, I should say, to say we need to know what all of our employees are doing and how much time they're doing it all. But I think it's less about trying to control them. It's not that we think employees are spending too much time looking up cat memes, but it might be that, people are spending too much time in meetings. Well, it may be that people are spending too much time searching for things they can't find because mm -hmm. it turns out your intranet or your whatever system you're using to store documents or policies or whatever is badly organized or it's out of date or they keep finding things that are uh, no longer relevant, but, but they don't know it. And so they wind up looking at the wrong document. I mean, all of these things uh, contribute to dissatisfaction uh, in the workforce. So, uh, you know, it has a direct impact. So if you know that 20, you know, your, your average employee is spending three and a half hours a week looking for things as opposed to, you know, 30 minutes looking for things, uh, that makes a big difference to them because that means they didn't throw two and a half hours out the window that they could have been productively working on and they wouldn't have felt stressed or feel like they have to work at home tonight after I put the kids to bed to just catch up because our intranet is so terrible. So these things really make a difference. Um, so I think the, the thing to, to maybe to turn it around, it's not just that the comment you made at the beginning, it's always better to have more information. There's the uh, Von Furster's imperative, which is it's always good to take actions that create more opportunities, right? So if the, one of the ab abiding principles of people operations is how can we open up better possibilities, better op opportunities in how we interact with our, our, our people and open up opportunities for them to feel more fulfilled, more engaged, more productive, be more productive. And um, so looking for those opportunities means you have to keep track of things so that, you know, opportunities come to the top. So you say, oh, well, we looked last, last month and we had a huge spike, you know, the number of meetings went up 
25% on average for people across the company. And we know that there's, you know, a law of diminishing returns when people are in too many meetings, they can't actually do as much work, right? So what is causing all of this consternation? And it turns out maybe that it leads to, you know, some new strategic plan that was rolled out and everyone's scrambling to try to figure out how it impacts their projects, their, you know, their initiatives, their divisions, their departments or whatever. <clears throat> In which case that suggests that when you roll out major initiatives like that, you have to do a better job of working with the departments, divisions, teams, to help them figure it out, figure out how it's gonna impact them, this major strategic initiative, so that they don't have to you know, throw two extra, three extra weeks in the next year uh, out the window because of having all these additional meetings and trying to figure it out. You might have to figure it out with them at the time that the strategic initiative is rolled out. So those are the kinds of learnings that we're we can get from these systems because you, you have this analytic spike and you can say, what's going on? And, what, and then you'll go ask the people like, well, why are you having all these extra meetings? Because of this strategic initiative that was announced and we have to figure out how to, it impacts us. So, you know, that's just one example of how um, if you didn't have the analytics and you weren't looking at them, you might not even know all those meetings were happening. So, you mentioned in the report that uh, people analytic platforms is a fairly uh, new, a fairly young technology. It's right. uh, something that's just now kind of uh, coming to the fore and being developed. And uh, this is evident in the table state key criteria and emerging technologies list. Uh, just, I have to remember when I recorded when it actually goes live, uh, just the other week, Enrico and I were speaking about block storage and the uh, table stakes for that technology is huge. Uh, the key criteria is a little bit smaller and the emerging technology is like one or two things. I think AI ops was one of the two things on there. Uh, because this is a young technology, the table stakes, the things that you know you have to have is pretty small. Uh, and the emerging technology list is fairly long. Right. Um, but I, I, reading this basic analytics, that's the, that's the entire thing, right? That's, that's what we're trying to do at the core of people analytic platforms, right? Well, I mean, you gotta, I would say we should back up a little, we're, you know, we're talking about companies that are, and, and this is an additional set of functionality that is additive to other software the company has, right? Okay. So. The great majority of companies, any company more than a thousand people or whatever, they already have an HR system and it does a whole bunch of things, right? So it, it generates the payroll. It has a mechanism for people to request, you know, travel authorization or request, uh, you know, uh, a vacation or whatever. And, 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 and all the stuff for onboarding new employees and, you know, handling recruitment and that, those sort of things. So this is something that is being acquired today, mostly in, as an adjunct to those other things. And while, while in fact the great majority of the vendors I looked at were relatively young companies, there is one company 
uh, an outperformer in our, our study, Vizier, who's been around a long time. And they're sort of like the pioneer of this. <laughs> and they grew up by adding an analytic capability for the uh, HR solutions of say eight, nine, 10 years ago. And so they've been around a long time doing this and they were doing it with an HR viewpoint, not a people operations viewpoint. And they have as a result, you know, some, a relatively mature offering that integrates well with a whole long list of these HR products. Um, <laughs> so, and in fact, they're, they're competing principally with HR tools that have their own, some degree of their own analytics increasingly available. But there's this other group, this other cadre of, of younger vendors in the report that we covered that started by being performance, uh, performance management oriented products so that companies could um, help uh, individuals and then subsequently teams perform better. So they gave them feedback and they were starting to measure things, asking polls and surveys to be able to you know, test the sentiment and so on. And relatively quickly, guess what? They realized they needed a mechanism of gathering all this data and analyzing it and presenting it analytically to the people who were running these systems, usually people operations folks or HR folks. Um, but there could also be, you know, team managers might want to look at it and so on. But they have sort of migrated into people analytics, starting by uh, uh, earlier on being performance management oriented. So there's two different paths that these two different kinds of vendors, um, Vizier being the older, more mature company. And then we have a handful of, of uh, younger startups uh, who are moving very quickly, but, um, and in fact, no surprise, are paralleling some of the the activities of Vizier, namely they're spending a lot of the time working with large HR vendors who want this kind of people analytics capability. So several of the vendors that um, I worked, I interviewed and researched, <clears throat> were spending a lot of their time doing integrations with HR packages. So as I was saying, this is something that swims in a sea of other software products, you know, and, um, so integration of these tools into the tools that people use every day, like HR packages or Slack or Teams uh, or integration with, um, you know, Salesforce, for example, you know, is, is first of all necessary so you can gather this kind of information of what people are using and doing. Um, but also, uh, um, you know, integrating it all together and, and pulling all this information into one coherent place. So you don't want to have like a gap where, oh yeah, we, we keep track of everything that people do except what they do when they're in Salesforce. And that wouldn't make sense, especially for people who spend a lot of time in there. So it's, 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 um, it's kind of a mixed bag, but um, there's a tremendous amount of uh, different areas of interest that people have. So for example, now diversity and inclusion is a really hot topic in a lot of businesses. It's only going to grow of more importance as we push ahead with the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests regarding, <clears throat> you know, systemic racism and so on. That's 
going to make that of even higher importance in a lot of a lot of companies. And so um, monitoring programs and projects and the results and outcomes of those is only going to grow in importance. You'll see a lot more interest in that in the near future. It's fascinating. We don't usually uh, <clears throat> get into a lot of how technology and business practices uh, with technology can impact uh, social issues. Uh, but that's fascinating. But that's my beat. <laughs> no, I was. I'm always at the, the interstices between, you know, technology and here's a bunch of features and here's the buttons to push and the reality of, you know, what are the social implications of that is, you know, that's, that's what makes it interesting to me. Absolutely. Uh, because none of this stuff exists in a vacuum. Uh, you know, we were talking about people earlier and how people get their individual performance reviews, but how we have to look at the team as a whole no person is an island in and of themselves. They're part of a team, which in turn is part of a department, which in turn is part of a company, unless you work for a tiny startup uh, like I do, in which I am the department. <laughs> but uh, all that aside, so I was going to ask, originally I had planned to ask, since this is a newer technology, is it something people should sleep on and let develop or should they kind of jump on but it sounds like because they're integrating with uh larger hr platforms or uh people operations platforms that it's something that's going to be easily accessible by most companies do you think that's uh that's accurate yeah i think i think what you'll see is smaller companies might use these uh smaller uh, younger technologies as a standalone tool because they might not yet have a large scale heavyweight uh, HR uh, information system, right? But the bigger companies that do already want it to connect. And so uh, there's a natural, you know, progression is, uh, you know, a smaller company would want to use one of these little standalone things so they can say, oh, we're, we're a 120 person company. And yes, we have a payroll system, but we don't have formal HR. We do things in spreadsheets or whatever. And, but we do want to know what the sentiment is because we're working in three cities and, you know, we want to keep tabs on, you know, what's going on in the business and what the sentiment of the people are and how productive everyone is. And, the impact of actions that we take as a management team on the direction of the business and so on, or, you know, diversity and inclusion, whatever. So um, then of course, as the companies grow to some point, well, a company gets big enough, they certainly want to have a larger people operations platform. And it may in the near future might have its own people analytics built into it, or they might have, you know, six integrations with six tools who are the leaders in the people analytics space, and you can sort of mix and match what you want. And so that's, I think, what we'll be seeing in the near future is that larger companies, especially the really grand companies will, you know, have, you know, this as an offering that's coming as an adjunct to their their HR platform, people operations platform. Very cool. 
And, you know, as we mentioned, this is, this is a technology that's uh, out there now and that, like I said, uh, having knowledge, actionable knowledge is important and you can find out a lot more. You know, we covered some just barely the tip of the iceberg on this report and obviously in digging on radar, you look at the, uh, the vendors, uh, several vendors as well. But other than uh, through GigaOM and finding this report, how do people, you know, keep up with what you're doing and, uh, you know, the research and writing you do? Well, we do have a site on Medium now. So GigaOM, you know, uh, where I'm writing, you know, things every week. And for example, for each of my research projects, I write a prospectus at the very earliest point uh, once I say I'm dedicating time to researching an area. So if they want to read those things, they can go to medium.com slash gigohm and they can follow this. We also have a newsletter that's integrated into that. So they could sign up to follow the, the newsletter, which comes out weekly. And of course, I talk about things that are going on in the world, you know, you know, robotics, automation, any of the things that are on my radar that I'm planning to write about someday. Um, And that does include, you know, new news from, you know, the internet vendor, simpler, for example, that we, uh, because it's, it's leading into the research I'm doing on that space and we'll be writing a report this summer on. So yeah, they can keep up with that there. Excellent. And for everyone out there, obviously, I always recommend you go to gigaohm.com. You can find Stowe's report, the key criteria of people, analytic platforms, and the GigaOM radar for evaluating people, analytic platforms on GigaOM. You can buy those single reports or you can subscribe to the entire body of research and have access to all of the reports that not just Stowe, but John Collins and Rico and everyone else write. Uh, really, all of your future forward advice on IT and tech can be found on GigaOM. So I hope you'll come and join us there. Stowe, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, John. For GigaOM, I'm Johnny Baltusberger, and this has been Voices in Innovation. Just listen.